0: That was Delta Goodrum and the late Dr. Gurumul Unipingu, and the song Baini. I was in Adelaide for their annual business events showcase at the convention centre and I met the executive chef there, Gavin Robertson, and he's working with a broad range of indigenous ingredients in catering for up to 3,000 guests at conference dinners. Now, that's a lot different from doing something for 30 or 40 in a high-end restaurant. But I spoke to him again this week to record an interview on the development of a native food supply chain that allows him to obtain large orders of traditional First Nations produce and things from kangaroo to pepperberry to green ants, warrigal greens and a whole lot of different herbs and spices that uh, have been used by the First Nations people for tens of thousands of years. Many of these come from the most remote parts of northern Australia. So getting them through in good condition is quite a feat.
1: I can hear from your accent you come from Scotland. How did you end up in Sheffing? Did you start, is that the the career you took on as a young apprentice?
2: Yeah, very much so. Um, at the very tender age of about 15 years old, I decided that um, the school wasn't necessarily for me and I really wanted to focus on something I could use my hands and my creativity with. So I, I decided to join the hospitality sector at a very early age where I worked at a few um, small country house hotels throughout the highlands in Scotland while I was um, doing my, my college And then from there, um, managed to get a job at the very coveted Glen Eagles Hotel. That's a lovely destination to end up at. Yes, it certainly was. It was a very much different place to work back then. It was very, very hard work. It was very, um, very culinary advanced for its time. Right. So it was very good to learn from some of the best and most creative chefs in the world from a very young age.
1: Right. And even yep. though you're in in the uh, height of, of Scotland, do you still e- end up going back to the basic sort of French elements of cooking? Or is there something more distinctive that you were taught?
2: No, I mean, I was, I was taught a very classical French way of cooking. However, it was always using the most fresh, the most local of produce that you could find throughout Scotland. Right. And that's really been my mantra that I've kept through my entire career.
1: Right. Which is a nice segue to where you are now at uh, the Adelaide Convention Centre, a very busy place. It's had uh, some record months recently. I'm I hear from uh, from the team there, which is which is great. How do you how do you work with a large venue like that? I mean, they've always had a reputation, big convention centres and similar places. They always had a reputation of of not fabulous food, but bulk food. Uh, but that's changed, hasn't it?
2: Well, very much so. Um, during, my, during my career, I always worked in hotels and restaurants, ever since I was 15, 16 years old. So it wasn't till about eight years ago where I decided to really hang up my hat from the hotel and restaurant game and move into the convention center game. It was very polarizing at the beginning, trying to replicate what you would do in a restaurant and a hotel and put it into bulk-sized catering, trying to do food that you would normally do for maybe 40, 50 dinner guests in an intimate restaurant, trying to get that out for 3,000 people or doing buffets for three to 5,000 people was a very, very daunting challenge.
1: I bet. I bet. So how do, you, how do you overcome? Is it just a matter of throwing people at the tasks that you have in a small kitchen? So there's still a multiplication factor or is it, is it a bit more sophisticated than that?
2: Well, I really wish it was just as simple as that, but unfortunately it wasn't. There was a lot of trial and tribulation through the whole startup process where I thought it was just going to be as easy as doing that. But it turned out I had to really surround myself with some very talented individuals to help me do that. I had to work on my curement. I had to work on my kitchen layout. I had to work on the equipment I was buying to help me do better bulk catering food because basically that's what it is at the end of the day we're catering for mass numbers yeah and that's really what's blossomed our honest goodness concept Uh,
1: now the The honest to goodness concept that's not just some sort of smart marketing term that someone in the marketing department came up with you've actually done a, a bit of medical slash scientific research on this haven't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, We were very um, proud to develop this menu philosophy in 2018 with some leading nutritional experts from the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute um, and the University of Adelaide. They helped us as well. Basically, they sort of helped me with um, a set of guidelines that I really had to kind of try and adhere to. And um, once we got over the initial shock um of what we were and were what what we were not allowed to use in our in our food, things started to really progress from there, and that's where we are today, five years down the track. With um, you know a menu that has an emphasis on min- minimal intervention foods, with a conscious reduction of processed elements, including reduction of salts and sugars, you know, and the focus is very much now on house made produce.
1: Well, I guess you were lucky that you could just wander over the road, literally, to Samory and the Adelaide uh, Hospitals right there, uh, and the Uni. Um, you literally could go next door for a consultation if you needed to.
2: And that's exactly what we did. You know, right. it wasn't a process that just happened overnight with a couple of um, a couple of meetings. You know, this 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 took a good six to eight months in planning, testing. And trying new dishes, you know not not everything we did worked, you know some things we we wanted to have on the menu, but we just simply couldn't right. you know and that, and that led to us you know eliminating all tin produce from the kitchen all processed produce from the kitchen, so it really was um a, an intense but very enjoyable process
1: right and how did they feel about doing this work with you? Had they ever had this opportunity before the medical and scientific people? And um, no,
2: they they thought it was a, a great project to work on, and they were very very supportive right from the get go. Right.
1: that's fantastic. Now, Gavin, uh, you're from a city that uh, won a bit of a reputation through Jock Zonfrillo for working with indigenous ingredients. You knew Jock, didn't you?
2: And um, we'd met a few
1: times. Yeah, very sad his demise.
2: Yes, it certainly was. Yeah, was very.
1: F- from your perspective, though, I I, I guess. Uh, you've made a deliberate effort to involve the native ingredients in, in your cooking. From what I've seen of these ingredients, they're not necessarily uh, entree, main and dessert, are they? You, you, you've you got a, a range of product, but it doesn't necessarily fit the traditional sort of three-course meal.
2: No, it, it doesn't. And that's where, you know, working like, – look, oh, I've always wanted to work with native – ingredients in all the different countries i've worked in the world yeah through new zealand throughout fiji and then when i arrived in australia i started to try to do it as soon as i arrived through northern queensland and we had a few issues with with supply chain that was the the only thing that was really holding us back now whether that was because i was up in far north queensland or it was just it wasn't as as common to be able to use these ingredients on bulk scale so i tried to use it and i, I it was very difficult to get consistency and it wasn't till I actually arrived in Adelaide and I was approached by some local growers and local farm owners that um, that indeed the, there was a, a more consistent supply of produce available in this region and available to be sourced through different producers throughout Australia. So I pretty much jumped on that as quickly as I could and um, it didn't happen. It happened slowly, I would say, with the induction of water greens and things like that, replacing our spinach products that we were using throughout all of our dishes. Yeah. And then it slowly but surely morphed into introducing things like wattle seeds into our scones um, using native berries to make all of our jams throughout the center, using lots of native herbs to make our native pestos, our native verdes and things like that. And right. we've just used it really to enhance our feature dishes with unique, diverse flavours and offerings and textures that these ingredients provide, you know, as well as, you know, an opportunity for our guests to experience and, you know, celebrate one of the oldest cultures in the world, really.
1: Yeah. Well, I I must say I, I had fantastic – I had the best lamb chop I've ever eaten, Gavin, uh, when I was in Adelaide for Destination South Australia. And it was one of the one of the items you had there, but you also had uh, green ants and other elements that I could add to it instead of my tomato sauce or gravy or whatever you t- traditionally put on a chop.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, using ingredients like green ants and like pepperberry and things like that is very unique, and it's it also goes along with the story that we're telling here that we can always enhance our bulk catering offering with things on a very unique smaller scale.
1: Yeah. Now, I I remember when you first mentioned this to me, uh, my first question was about the supply chain, uh, because you don't sort of necessarily hear of the sophistication of products coming out of remote communities. So you're dealing with some of the most remote communities in, in Australia, aren't you? Maybe in the world.
2: Yes, that's correct. You know, and that's why it's been very crucial for us to really gain A good close network of growers and suppliers that we keep in regular contact with. Basically to find out what's going to be in season, when it's going to be in season, and then we'll bulk purchase some of those products like muntries, for example, bush tomatoes, we'll buy all those sorts of things in bulk and then we'll pickle them or we'll preserve them, we'll jam them and we'll keep them so we can use them through the whole year, whether
1: they're in season or they're not in season. So that's an alternative to opening a tin of something.
2: Oh, very much so, and a lot of these products are not necessarily available in tins. Yeah. and I hope they never are, to, to be honest, because using them when they're fresh or they're they're pickled and preserved state, when you can do that sort of thing at home, is really when these, you know, the flavors really come out of these um, these products, and that's when they're really at their best. That's how they were meant to be eaten. You know, they're meant to be eaten fresh off the land. And um, so, if we can keep them as as the minimally inter- event, minimal intervention as we possibly can, then that's given the customer, whether they're from overseas or they're actually from Australia, the best chance of actually enjoying now, these things.
1: Gavin, what what uh, protein protein do you use that you would regard as a, a native ingredient? Are you talking like wallaby, kangaroo, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, kangaroo is probably the most the less polarising one of of all of them. To be honest, yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's um, seafood. You know, it's not all necessarily from the land. You know, there's the prawns and the things that come from the sea that are very are, are used quite commonly as well. Yeah. But kangaroo um, probably is the one we use the most. Right. Um we have we have done a lot of events when we've used wild buffalo, uh, camel, and um, different sorts of ingredients, and they can be they can be very well received. And I think later on down the track. We'll actually start incorporating a fair few more of these things into our actual menu. Right.
1: So, uh, Gavin, just from the business events perspective, what's the largest event that you've sort of uh, catered for there at the centre? And did you use um, native ingredients for that?
2: And um, yes, we have. Um, we try and incorporate native ingredients as much as we possibly can. And um, in, in a lot of our bespoke menus, we do. Um, For example, the International Women's Day breakfast we did not so long ago had not only did we manage to do scrambled eggs for 3,000 people, fresh scrambled eggs for 3,000 people we incorporated Warrago Greens onto that breakfast. We also done the World Indigenous Peoples Conference last year that saw probably 2,000 guests come through the convention centre where we did serve traditional native Australian produce to indigenous guests from all over the world. And that was a fully custom menu that we designed with local growers, with local suppliers that saw us use wild buffalo, kangaroo, uh, wild boar, bush tomatoes. And that was very, well, very, very well received. Yeah, by I was going to say, the, that the would, the would have gone down really well. well.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. No, that's great. So where do you think this whole concept of the native ingredients here in Australia might evolve, to? What I hope to
2: to see happen with the the native produce that we we see in Australia, I would like to see that sort of thing start to replace baby spinach in supermarkets, having things like pepperberry more commonly used because it has three times the amount of antioxidants as blueberries you know right. i'd like to see muntries being used and instead of using cranberries you know we've got a native cranberry and we've got ice plant that can be used as a very nice garnish you know green ants are, i don't know if you've ever played golf in northern queensland but they you know every time you hit the ball on the rough you get bitten by green ants so <laughs> they're, they're enormously plentiful and very nice to eat yeah. So as soon as we get over the whole stigma of what we're eating, you know that kind of protein element is going to take the the culinary sector to the next level. I think, right. in my opinion, oh. and that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see people in the supermarket with the the shopping trolleys instead of full of baby spinach, full of baby warrigal greens. That way, we're, we're we're supporting all sorts of different communities throughout Australia.
1: So when's the when's your Indigenous ingredients cookbook coming out, Kevin? That's something we might work on down the track. You never know. I think it would be a good idea. Uh, A lot of us (laughs) would know how we could use these ingredients, especially if they turn up in a supermarket. You can't treat everything like Vegemite and shove it on toast.
2: Well, you can't, no. But, yeah, we we make a very nice um, native berry jam that's just as good on toast as any Vegemite, I'll tell you.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Okay, so, Gavin, uh, one of the key uh, elements of most convention centres, they are very big consumers of things, is uh, not to leave a trail of of waste behind you I gather you've actually got some interesting technology you've introduced to deal with that issue Yes
2: um yes we have um so over the last few months we've actually taken delivery of our WasteMaster system which basically um as you know there's the growing spotlight on waste eliminating our organic waste into landfill Sure and um, we've actually purchased the the first WasteMaster to be delivered into Adelaide What basically, is it actually well, basically, what this machine does is all the food waste we have from our from our buffets, our vegetable peelings, our cauliflower trimmings, our meat trimmings, and all that sort of stuff that would normally just go into bio bins and end up going into landfill or going into food recycling or or whatever. We actually put it in this machine called the Waste Master. So basically, what that does is it turns about nine. It has the potential to turn 900 kilos of waste into compostable material within about 24 hours. Oh, okay. We have no longer, we have any polystyrene products that come into the kitchen. We also have just purchased some bread slicing equipment, which will eliminate probably about 15,000 single-use plastic bags in and out of this kitchen per year. Right. So that sort of thing is pretty much groundbreaking in this industry, because lots of other convention centres and lots of other big places are not doing that sort of thing just yet.
1: Okay. Oh, well, that, uh that sounds fantastic. So it must give the organisers who decide to have an event at the at the Adelaide Convention Centre must give them some comfort.
2: Well, it definitely does. Yes, at least they know exactly where things are going, and you know all the food that is still edible. We still support our um, redistribution program with Oz Harvest, Faithworks and food banks throughout South Australia. Gavin, how many people work in the kitchen with you? We've got about sixty. So there's approximately about twenty-four full-time chefs we have in our kitchen. And then we've probably got about 60 to 80 casual chefs on the books.
1: Okay. And how have you gone post pandemic with recruiting talent for the kitchen? Now that was a big issue. A lot of people talked about hotel staff, but, um, kitchens were a big issue, weren't they?
2: Yeah. Kitchens still remain to be a big issue. There's a, a real lack of young, the younger generation wanting to join the culinary sector, which is a bit of a shame. So after pandemic, we lost a lot of stuff, a lot, lost a lot of staff and it's been very, very difficult to bring them back.
1: So do you run apprentices in there?
2: Yes, we do. We work with our, um, an organisation. We run with an organisation called Maxima, which is a government-based organisation that um, run our apprentice programme for us. I try and run and have a an 10 apprentices at any one time. Yeah. Obviously, they graduate every year. Different ones graduate at different times. So then I will always back full from there. So we always have opportunities for young chefs to come and join us at the convention centre.
0: Adelaide Convention Centre Executive Chef Gavin Robertson talking to me Graham Kemlo this week from Adelaide